1: So um, that's my website. You can go there. Um, there's all kinds of stuff there. You can get from there to my blog and sort of download stuff and stuff about spiritual direction. Okay? Now, wherever it was, the second thing that I want in my spiritual life, I, are you writing these down or thinking about them? What was the first thing? Here's the second thing, the gift of tongues. I'd put that over church attendance. I I, I would. I remember a conversation I had with Gordon Adder once. We're sitting in his, um, Gordon Adder is kind of like my Canadian grandfather, which is a long story. Um, but I was sitting in his, in his um, cottage on Manitoulin Island. And I asked him, what was it like in the early days of Pentecost? So his dad, Arthur Adder, was at the time of the story, the pastor in Armpire, if I remember rightly. So this is like in the 30s. When Pentecostals were really ostracized, because people used to think we're really nuts. I don't know if you remember. How many remember those days? Right? How many are still in those days? Okay. Right? No, we were really ostracized, and people wouldn't have anything to do with us. And I said, what was it like being a Pentecostal? What was it like being a Pentecostal preacher's kid? He said, it was very, very hard. I said, how did you survive that? And he told me this. Peter, this is what I would do. I would get up in the morning a half hour earlier." I'd go. In, I'd get dressed. I'd go downstairs. My mummy would give me, or my mother would give me breakfast, and I'd go back up at eight o'clock in the morning. And and he's like eight, nine years old, ten years old, about that age. And he said, I, I would, I would kneel beside my bed, and I would pray in tongues for a half an hour before I went to school. Eight or nine years old, and he said it kept me, it kept me alive. It did. He said people didn't pick on me. They didn't. And uh, I needed to be able to do that. And uh, I stand before you and I say, I want to read my Bible and I need the gift of tongues. I can do without church. It's, that's awful, isn't it? And, and they pay me to go, right? <laughs> right? So, <laughs> no, because they do. They, they, they actually pay me fairly well as well. <laughs> But it's that's not high on my spiritual agenda. It's just frankly not, right? It's like, you know, coming to church doesn't make you spiritual any more than sleeping in a uh, garage makes you a car. You know, it takes some other stuff to happen. And so, like, church is way down on my priority list of my, my spiritual walk. Now, I do go, like most Sundays, because like, well, I'm paid to go, you know, and I... They, they, Believe it or not, I do this for a living. Hard to believe. Uh, right? Uh, so the Bible, uh, and then and then tongues, and then my prayer life. My tongues, and it, and it flows into my prayer life. And so I'm not willing to go through life without the gift of tongues. I, I'm not. Years ago, uh, R.E. Uh, uh, R. McAllister was the pastor of of a London Gospel Temple, and it wasn't called London's Gospel Temple then. What was it called? Um, some old guy must know that. Anybody? Where's Pastor Chad? Uh, oh, he's not that old. I don't know what it was called. Who cares? When he was there, he had a radio program, and for a paper that I wrote, I investigated all the, uh, the uh, radio sermons that he uh, preached, and I made up this chart because I'm a chartomaniac. Like, if you do a chart, because I do have a couple of charts, and when I put them up, like a little bit of, <laughs> that, that, that would be good, okay? Um, and so I, I made up this chart, and what I did was, I wanted to find out what he preached about on the radio. So, uh, what do you think, if, if your pastor's on the radio, what should he preach about? Salvation. Salvation. What else? I would think lots of salvation stuff, wouldn't you? Like I'd be thinking, man, you're across the, across, the, across the city, London, you should preach on salvation lots. He preached on salvation, he preached on second coming, but three quarters of the time he preached on spirit baptism and the gift of tongues. Three quarters of the time, which meant one of two things. Number one, he was nuts, but we, we already know he was because we're all nuts, but... Number two, the most important thing that he thought London needed was spirit baptism, which is like, really? Like, would you do that, Charlie? No, I don't think I would. But three-quarters of the time, he's preaching on spirit baptism because it was so important to him. I think that's absolutely incredible and amazing. Well... We're going to try and do some work on this tonight, and I'm conscious of the time. I, I, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach probably for, I'm going to, usually I'm an hour and a half to hour and three quarters, but because I'm a guest tonight, I'm going to do an hour and five minutes. No, that's not true. Normally, <laughs> normally I'm a half hour guy, but I, I may go a little longer tonight because Chad said, kill a lot of time, they're used to being at church, okay? <laughs> what does the Bible say about tongues? Well, if you have your Bible, you can find this or you can look at it on the screen. And uh, this is out of uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, and it's out, this is the new King James Version, which would be written after the King James Version. How many King James Version people do we have here? Wow. I feel intimidated. Do you know why I don't preach in the King James Version? Because I don't understand it. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. This one accord is the Greek word homothumadon. It's a favorite word of Dr. Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Matter of fact, he's the only guy that uses it. But uh, he really loves the word homothumadon. And he, uh, it means of one accord. It ha- but it has this connotation uh, of, of rushing together. So kind of like a symphony. And so everybody, even if you're not real musical, you probably grasp this. Everybody's not playing like the same note in a symphony. Right? Like you have a bunch of people playing a bunch of different notes. And that makes this rushing on sound as opposed to everybody blowing the note of C. Right? Like there's other sounds. And that's that homothumidon sound where everybody is rushing together. And in that rushing together, they create this unified sound. They're not all saying the same thing. But they're all playing a different note, but together it's harmony. Okay? Make sense? Homothumadon. There's a test at the end. You can't get homothumadon out in precisely that clarity. You will not be able to go home tonight. Okay? (laughs) Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. If you're a King James version, it's cloven tongues of fire, and uh, it sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How did they know that they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The sign of spirit baptism for Luke's audience is this. These people, I know they're filled with the Spirit. How do I know that? Because they spoke in other tongues. Some of you are are getting this. You'll be able to leave. Some of you aren't. You'll have to pick it up. Okay. Um, Where was I? Verse 5. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under the sun. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they're confused because they heard them, everybody heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these that speak Galileans? How is it that we are hearing in our own language um, in which we were born? So this is a very, a very um, popular passage of Scripture. I'm sure it's not the first time you've seen it. It's not the first time you've heard it read. How did they know something occurred? They heard them speak in other tongues. But more specifically, they heard them magnifying the things of God in their own language. So the tongues wasn't just a tongue of men, of angels. It wasn't just kind of a a nebulous, la, 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 la. But it was specifically a message to the people there in their own tongue. And if you have your Bible further on, it lists all the places that are listed there and there's, you know, people from Kitchener and New Hamburg and, and Waterloo and Elmira and, uh, you know, London. They're all list, listed there. And uh, in that list, they're they in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And they're there and they go, wow, I hear those 120 people. They are magnifying God. They're speaking about God in my language. That made them very uncomfortable. So they accused them of doing what? They said, obviously they're drunk because all drunk people speak French fluently. <laughs> all drunk people are fully conversant in Italian. Right? Obviously they unplug brain made comment. Okay? I want you to jump to chapter 10. So... I want you to tell you that chapter 2 of Acts and chapter 10 of Acts are the two pivotal passages that are going to help us. Well, that sounds good, eh? Pivotal passages. And I I didn't even have that written down. That's the anointing. Hallelujah. Okay? So in in Acts chapter 2, we have the initial outpouring of the Spirit. How do we know that the Spirit got outpoured? Because there was tongues, so now we go to Acts chapter ten again. In Acts chapter ten, Peter has a vision from God. I'm assuming you know this. Uh, Peter is is has been called the apostle to the Jews. He was also called the first pope, if you didn't know that. And um, we're not sure if he was the first pope, but we do know he was the first pope or the first pope. We do know he was the first uh, apostle to the Gentiles. He's in. He's waiting for lunch. As he's waiting for lunch, he has a vision. He's to go to the house of Cornelius. He goes to the house of Cornelius. When he gets there, he's preaching, much like I am preaching right now, although probably not quite as good, but nevertheless. (laughs) That was a joke. It (laughs) wasn't. Okay. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, The Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. So then you want to ask this question. What's the question you want to ask? How did they know that the Spirit fell on them? Well, as luck would have it, Luke tells us, verse 45. Those of the circumcision, that is the Jews who came along with Peter, uh, who believed, were astonished when they saw what was going on as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also and they heard them speak in other tongues and magnify God. And Peter, he's a good Jew. He's already there under much trepidation. He's already thinking, wow, my credentials might be revoked with this. He's already nervous. He's <laughs> preaching the sermon. As he's preaching the sermon, all of a sudden, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the place breaks out in tongues. And he's, he's got to be thinking, this day is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was, this was not supposed to happen this way. And as you follow the narrative, what happens is he goes back to Jerusalem and he goes to district office and Lori Gibbons is there. And Lori says, Peter, we've heard about this. We've heard that you were up with all of those Gentiles, and you—you uh, you took the Holy Spirit up there, and you made them all speak in tongues. And Peter says, "No, no, 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 no." And he explains it in this fashion on the right-hand side of the screen. Now I put them up there because I want—I want you to grab this parallel. I want you to grab the parallel. Charlie, watch this. It's just unbelievable. That's a high thing up there, isn't it? Look at that. Whoa. So this is the Acts chapter 2, and I want you to notice what happens here in Acts chapter uh, 11. Now, follow the narrative here. In Acts chapter 11, this is Peter defining to Pastor Laurie, his superintendent, exactly what happened. Are you with me with the story? You Okay. Okay. Uh, at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having uh, been sent from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into a man's house. And he told us how he'd seen an angel standing in his house, said, send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you the words by which all of your household will be saved. So you have to notice something that happens in chapter 3. 10, three things happen within a space of about 10 minutes. What are the three things that happen? The first thing that happens is guess what? Here it is there. They got saved. Okay? Hang on to that. Uh, as I began to speak the words, watch this. Notice the phraseology. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us. At the beginning. So Peter is defining this from this premise. Acts chapter 2, Pastor Laurie, where we all started a boogie in the Holy Ghost, started to speak in tongues, as it happened then, it happened up there in Caesarea. Not my fault. (laughs) Acts chapter 2 wasn't my fault. Acts chapter 10 wasn't my fault. So here's the three things that happened just in passing. Within a space of 10 minutes, they, A, got saved. Secondly, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the text isn't up there in chapter 10. Then what did Peter say? Anybody remember this? After they got, they were all nattering tongues for a while, he got them calmed down. Then what did Peter say? Anybody remember? Who can, who can, who can, uh, who can, Forbid. Who can forbid these people from getting baptized in water? So this is the way we need to do it. And we'd be a lot better off. We need to get people saved at 10 o'clock, keep the tank full, dunk them, get them back up here and pray over them, and get them speaking in tongues so they got it all at once. Because here, watch this. I have another slide, and it's not on this slideshow, but but I'll show it to you. This is what I found out in my uh, short lifespan of 62 years and my short lifespan of preaching 41 years. Watch this. The longer the time from your conversion to the time you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the harder it is to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you got saved like 25 years ago and you're seeking the Spirit now, I don't want to discourage you, but it's tougher. But if you got saved this morning, piece of cake, Because you're dumb enough, you'll do anything we say. (laughs) No, no, you will. We'll say this is a Bible. You'll go, where should I read first? Read John. Where's that? Page 95. Okay. How much should I read? Five verses. Okay. They do exactly what you do. Well, how do you pray in tongues? Holy Spirit's living inside you. I'll show you this in a second. Holy Spirit's living inside you. You hold your hands up. You go, ah and then the Spirit starts to anoint you and start praying in tongues. Okay. Ah, speak in tongues. Because they do anything you tell them. But now you're old and sophisticated. You go, oh, I'm not groaning like that. Been there, done that. I got spit on by evangelists. I don't do it since then. Here's a free tip for... Uh, Altar workers, use breath mints. <laughs> no, seriously. You know? If you get somebody praying for you and thinking like, what did you eat for supper? <laughs> right? <laughs> <The> <laughs> oh, that's really aggravating. So, you know, just a bit of breath bits, okay? So the sign of tongues is it's in chapter two and it's repeated in tense. So speaking in tongues is the sign. Okay. How am I doing time-wise? When did I start? Okay. I think you've got this on your paper. I'm going to put all three up here, and I'll walk you through this, okay? Here are three dimensions of tongues, and in these three dimensions of tongues, I want to tell you that this, uh, at the left-hand side, let me let preach this side for a while. Left-hand side, that's the lowest degree of anointing that you need. On the right-hand side, it's the highest degree of anointing, and I'll and I'll show you how that works in about five minutes. Okay, so let's go to this low. Let's go to the low end. Uh, tongues as a sign of uh, of spirit baptism. Now, um, this is where the Pentecostals have dropped the ball. Okay, and we, we have we've dropped the ball on this. Acts chapter one verse eight. Who knows that? Humor me and just lie if you don't. Just put up your hands. Okay. You shall receive. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you can shake, rattle, and roll around the altar. You can have goosebumps. You can have long worship services. You can stand for four hours praising God. You can sing. You can have smoke. No. When the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. So grab this. Spirit baptism has nothing about feeling good. A Tim Hortons double-double will do that. It will if you like Tim Hortons. I can take or leave it, so don't buy me gift gift (laughs) certificates for that. Just give me cash, that's fine. I have no, you know what, does your wife do this when you step over the line? She's going. (laughs) Did you hear that? She says, I haven't been on the line yet tonight (laughs) to step out of. So watch this. Spirit baptism is not to make you feel good. Spirit baptism is to empower you to be a witness. So watch this. How many want to witness good for Jesus? Right? So we all do, right? How many want to minister more effectively than you're ministering thus far? Basically all of us. So what do we need? We need spirit baptism. Because you shall receive dunamis, power, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So spirit baptism is, as I have up here, missional in nature. So I'm comfortable saying this. The sign of spirit baptism is tongues. The evidence is inspired speech. I'll say that again. The sign of spirit baptism is tongues. The evidence is inspired speech. So if you do this, if you care to, go through the book of Acts. Note every time where there is a manifestation of tongues, what happens instantly is is a, is, a prep, is a preaching or a presentation of the gospel in, a native tongue, in, the, in the native tongue of the time. Acts chapter 2, 120 filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens? Peter stands up amongst the, amongst the 120 and preaches the word of God. Okay? So tongues as a sign of spirit baptism is missional. This is where we've dropped the ball. And what we've done is we've bounced the number two. I'm not making a slam against anybody. I'm just making a comet, okay? This is Pentecostalism. The charismatic movement came along in the 60s, first of all, with the uh, Roman Catholics. And uh, do they still have the abundant life thingy here? Do they? Because there was a charismatic uh, tent conference. They still have that here or No. Oh, I'm getting some nods from old people at the back. That they, they, oh, that's just so that they remember it. So the charismatic movement came along and highlighted this. They highlighted this second one in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses uh, 1 to 4, where it says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. King James. Pretty impressive, eh? the uh, so when you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. So what happened is Pentecostals dropped the ball here and we hung our hat over here. And then what happened is people said, I don't really need to do that. And so the vast, a higher and higher percentage of our Pentecostal people are not praying in tongues, are not, are, have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit because we dropped the ball on this. We went over here and then we said, ah, I can take or leave that. All right? But we need to back the truck up and we need to realize that To be an effective witness for Christ, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because spirit baptism produces inspired speech. So I make a living on a platform preaching. You could never convince me to preach the gospel as an unbaptized person. I remember the first time I preached, it was in Berry thousands were saved, four <laughs> demons were delivered, 16 people were filled with the Holy Ghost. No, actually, what happened was <laughs> um, <laughs> I got my... It was in third-year bridal college. That's where I found my wife. And um, we had done four services that weekend because I was running a group. We had done a service in, in uh, Vineland, in St. Catharines, um, Grinsby. And then Sunday night we ended up in Barrie at Highway and I was slated to preach. And of course I'm a third year Bible college uh, student at the time. I got my and chain reference Bible out and I got a piece of paper and I folded it in half and I put it in, uh, my, in my Bible. I put a big elastic band around it and I picked, I chose my text, uh, Matthew uh, 16, let a man deny himself take up his cross and follow me. And I, and I studied the text, I wrote out some notes and Pastor Chad I knew the Holy Ghost was going to take over, so we were good, okay? I just knew that. I, I instinctively knew that. So I remember getting up, at, and, and I remember opening up my Bible, and I started to preach. I talked about everything I'd ever heard in my entire born existence, and I lasted eight minutes. <laughs> and uh, I remember sat, sitting down. I, I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember sitting down in the fir- first pew amongst, amongst all my group, and I, I was a trained musician and still play a lot. And and I'm actually a fairly good musician. And I said to the Lord, you will never get me preaching ever again because I can make a living out of music and I can work in music, but I'm not preaching because that was horrid. And he never said anything back (laughs) at the time. Anyways. (laughs) And uh, then you people were lucky enough to hire me. How many remember when I first started preaching here? It was awful. Wasn't it? See, Paul's going. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was awful. Reg Husbands, I was talking to him the other day. Remember Reg? I was talking to Reg the other day, and, and Reg would, would coach me in my sermon preparation, and he, we, he'd meet me at the back door, which is the side door now, right? Yeah. He, he'd meet me at the back door after I tried to preach, and he'd always hug me. He'd always say this, Peter. God bless you for your faithfulness. (laughs) And then he'd give me a fatherly hug because I knew I stunk. I I knew that. And so did Reg. But I want to tell you, when it comes to preaching, talking about Jesus, you need spirit baptism to give you inspired speech. Now this next box over There is what I call this edificational portion from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. And the anointing for this moves higher this way. Uh, I know three years ago, two years ago, I can't remember. Um, I'm the Western Ontario District Prayer Coordinator. That translates into the superintendent's my best friend, and nobody else will do it. That's all that matters. But because nobody else would do well. no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> so we're having this prayer meeting before a, a conference session, and Rich Wilkerson is there. And so he said to me, Pastor Peter, may I do something before we go out there? I said, Absolutely. So uh, Rich Wilkerson stands up. There's, I don't 15 of us, 20 there, uh, and we've been praying for the night service. And he says, I make my staff do this every Sunday. Just before we go out, I time it. If we're going out at 10 o'clock, at 9.55, I stand up and I say, it's time. And I put my watch down and everybody prays vehemently in tongues for five solid minutes out loud. And uh, he said, let's do it. He says, I'll I'll time it so you don't calf out on me or don't think I left the room. And so that's what we did. We prayed in tongues for five minutes and out of the corner came, you've done two, another three. (laughs) And uh, he counted us down. And what happens when you do that is you increase the anointing and you increase the flow of the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the easiest ways to charge an atmosphere with the Holy Ghost is to sing in tongues. So I'll tell you a story. We had a good friend of ours, uh, Pastor Bob Harris, who went to be with the Lord the year Dad turned 80, so that was 15 years ago. And uh, he told me this story. Uh, He at the time, was the youth leader in St. Thomas. So this was back in 1949, 48, 49, 50, in that era. And he would go down to Bethesda Temple where um, Sister Beale was the pastor. Bethesda Temple was kind of the, well, it was kind of the eastern Mecca for the Latter, Latter Rain Revival which came out of North Battleford. Now, Pentecostal Saints of Canada probably threw out the baby with the bathwater. There were some things about the Latter-day Revival that needed some direction, but probably the baby got thrown out with the bathwater. But we'll just skip that. So he would go down to Bethesda Temple, and it was a large, large church. I've actually never been there myself. It's a very, very large church, certainly at at that era. And uh, it had uh, back doors... uh, as opposed to say no doors or front doors. <laughs> they had doors at the back of the auditorium that led down each aisle. In about five minutes before the service would start, all the choir would be out in the foyer. And they're all out in the foyer, and on cue, they would all start to sing in tongues. And they'd fling the doors open, and they'd march in two by two, like they're... Uh, like like they're supposed to as choir members. So there's two rows there, two here, two there, and they're coming up. As they do that, Bob Harris said this. You could go row after row. Bang. You could literally feel it, Charlie, go down the row. The presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. And I want to tell you, that the easiest way to charge your car with the anointing is to sing in tongues on the way to work and skip the music. It's even more powerful than worship music. I promise you. More powerful than sports station. Not that I'm against sports station, but I'm talking about releasing the anointing in your car. Changing the atmosphere in your home. Pray in tongues. Change the atmosphere in a church. Come in here at 6 o'clock. When your service start? 9 and 11. Come here from 6 till 7.30 and sing in tongues in this place. He'll let you in. I guarantee it. And you'll change the atmosphere in this room. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. He's passing out the key already. Oh, Charlie's going to let you in. There you go. I would never live without spirit baptism. Never in a million years. That's a higher degree of anointing. I want you to go one more with me. There's a guy in my office a couple of weeks ago, and he, uh, he was having a really uh, difficult time and he couldn't, he couldn't quite enunciate what was going on. And he, he was talking to me about, you know, just, it was just something was out of kilter. And uh, the more I talked to him, the more I really believed in my heart that he had, uh, he had the, the enemy was after him, right? And as I talked to him, uh, I told him a story that, I, that, that happened to me. And it's a story of deliverance. And I won't tell you. It'll take too long. And uh, I, I said to him, I said, I don't know what your theology is, but I really believe you need deliverance. Do you mind if I pray for you? Well, obviously, he said, yeah, go for it. And so I, I went back behind this person and I laid my hands on him. And this is how I, I'm i just telling you how this has worked for me. I, I know when a person needs deliverance because somewhere along the line, see, you may have a hard time believing this, but I, I'm really not a bully or an aggressive person. I'm really not. Like... I'm not asking you to start, but I've never really been in a fight, never really been punched, never, in, in like 60, 62 years of my life. The closest thing I came to was and a deacon once. <laughs> oh, I'm serious, right? And the only reason I didn't was, oh, this puppy Charlie was a big boy. <laughs> so, so, but anyways, so I, I'm not a really aggressive person. I, um, I'm not a, you know, you know that, that chart you, you do, are you... Um, Do you like conflict or you flee from conflict? How many like a good fight? It's okay. That's not wrong. Oh, a few of them. Just before we came, our neighbors were fighting. Oh, yeah. We're sitting in our living room, and all of a sudden, this guy starts going at his wife. What do you mean? You stop. You listen to me. And all of a sudden, you close the door, and we didn't hear the rest. But you got to hate that because it was just getting juicy. Um, <laughs> you do the same thing so, so I would avoid conflict I'm behind this guy and something comes on me the anointing of the Holy Spirit it's me, baff! and all of a sudden I'm ready to clean anybody's clock that comes in my way I'm serious. That's what hits me. I start praying for this guy and instantaneously, as I start praying for him, I, I started praying in tongues and instantaneously, I could tell by the sound of the tongue, my language changed. I could distinctly tell it was a different language than I normally would pray in. I've been praying in tongues since I was 18. Uh, I'm now 62. That's, I've been praying in tongues. Uh, I'm not good at math, Uh, 44 years, I recognize my language that I use, okay? I've recorded it, it's Swahili, no, no, that's not true, That 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 is not true, sorry, okay? And I recognize my tongue has changed, something comes on me, and I'm a madman, and I'm praying over this guy, I'm screaming my head off, and in tongues, and then I kind of recompose myself, and I say to the guy, are you all right? <laughs> and he said, something came out of my stomach, out through my, uh, up through my vocal cords, and out of my mouth. I've never had that before. I'm free. Now, that is a higher degree of anointing where you have varying tongues as a prayer language. People, you're dead without this stuff. This is the most important thing that you can experience. Okay. Oh, that's a repeat. Where's the slide that I want? Okay, let let me do this. When you first get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you're seeking the Spirit, you need to be very, very active. In other words, I'm almost forcing myself to pray in tongues. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be very, very active. Like, you need to be per- pursuing this. So that other, that other sheet that I gave you, this one, I, I, I did that for Pentecost Sunday. I wanted you to give yours back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Pentecost Sunday is June 9. And so what, what I did, if you flip the page over, uh, I gave you a 10-day prayer guide because there's 10 days up leading up to Pentecost. Remember, they were all gathered in one place for 10 days, part of the, part of the 50-day piece up to the Feast of Pentecost. I won't describe all that. Um, so on, on Friday, I want you to start praying. Uh, I want to pray for a personal infilling of the Spirit uh, in my life. I want to pray for an understanding of the absolute necessity of the Spirit's baptism in my life. So the spirit, spirit baptism we've made optional, and we need to stop making it optional. We need to make it essential. Amen, brother. That's right. <laughs> now, right on the very back, in the centerfold, centerfold, the centered, huh? C- in the center. <laughs> How's that for a centerfold, eh? <laughs> <laughs> hmm? Thank you very much. Uh, I must be filled, I may be filled, I would be filled, I shall be filled. All of the definition of that is inside. Pray that three times a day. Now, why am I saying that? It's because you need to be very active. You're not passively waiting. You're not saying, well, you know... Pastor Chad, if the Lord wanted me to speak in tongues, he'd hit me over the head with a two-by-four, you know. Uh, You know, what do you want? No, 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 no. This is like, God, shoot me or give me the baptism. Take me to heaven or get me filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm dying down here, God. You look at me like I'm nuts. (laughs) But you're all nuts, eh? Yeah. So, and when you first receive spirit baptism, you're very energetic and you force yourself to pray in tongues. So, after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Lord gave you a word, So, you're going, what was that? ma, 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 ma. What was that? God? Ma, ma, ma. And you practice going, ma, ma, ma. and you force yourself to it. You're very actively engaged. You're pursuing this because you're, I'm dying without this. I need this. And you're very forceful in that. So watch, watch what happens now. This is your spirit praying, and I'm going to show you that on the next slide if I can find it. <laughs> Now, what happens when you get to the second phase or the third phase? You're very passive. So what I mean by that? I'm driving along, thinking about nothing. I wonder what Ruthie's doing for supper tonight. And I don't even think about it. I just start praying in tongues. And I've just asked myself, right? I pray in tongues all the time. I pray, I, I walk every morning at 7 o'clock. I get out there. Good morning. <laughs> and it's just, it's,
0: it's, just,
1: it's just natural. I'm very passive about it. Because I went through the aggressive stage. And I've gone over to the passive stage. I hope that's helpful. Here's the one slide I want to show you. Ha, ha, ha. That's the one I wanted. Okay. This is really going to help you, and this is, this is what we're going to end, end on, okay? Vineland Pentecostal Church. It's a small church. I don't know, average attendance. I don't know, 80 or something. And somehow or another... We figure out who's not baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's like you wear a... It's like you have a badge on. on huh. baptized sinner. <laughs> right? So then they would have guest evangelists in. We had this Jewish evangelist in. Not Henny Ben, another guy. And... Uh, I like Henny Ben. Huh. Charlie, you gotta love his hair, eh? It's just quite something. But anyways, I remember this guy giving the altar call. How many here, every head bowed, every guy closed? How many here have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I remember me sitting there going like, I- I'm probably, I believe, about 12 at the time. It's like, who's got scurvy, you know? <laughs> he goes, I see that hand. <laughs> And the church is small. There's only about four of us that haven't been filled with the Spirit, right? So then he said, I'm going to have, if those people would come forward. Well, there's only four of us. Everybody knew the four before he called them because we have the scurvy sign on our head, you know, right? <laughs> and so we, here we go up front. I'm 12 years old. My buddy, lucky dog, he got it. I don't. So he's back there going, right? And up. So this guy comes up to me, and the first thing he does, he thinks, you know what, I think your armpits need relocating. And he yanks my arms up top, right? And he's spitting on me, <laughs> screaming at me, and I'm thinking, why won't my dad rescue me? Seriously. Well, why won't my dad come and rescue me? Like, this man's hurting me. And he's saying, you know, speak it out. And I'm thinking, speak it out? (laughs) I'll tell you what I'll speak out, right? And my mind's a million million miles away from the Holy Spirit. Don't let people do that to you. Don't let people do that to you and you're bigger. Hurt them. (laughs) You know? Just like in the throat, you know, like if you get, yeah, in the throat, nose. Or if you're short, you can grab and go on top of your head. That, that would work. Don't let people do that to you. Now watch what happens here. There's two different kinds of praying. There's praying with my mind and praying with my spirit. Let me tell you how, how this works. And, and I'm going to do this in, in 10 minutes or less, and then I'm going to stop. Um, when I pray with my mind, I go like this. Oh, Charlie is not well today. So I go up to Charlie and say, Charlie, not well tonight. No. So I lay my hands on him and I begin to formulate thoughts. Dear Jesus, I pray for Charlie. If I'm really spiritual, I'm going to quote some scripture. You know, uh, it says in the book of Matthew, he took our infirmities in his own body in the tree. So I quote that. That's always a good lifesaver. Then I come up with um, quoting a song. That's really powerful. So you quote a song. Only believe. Only believe. Oh, things are possible. Only believe. And I formulate all these thoughts in my mind, right? So do you ever notice something? This is a freebie on the way past. Only people that are good formulators are allowed to pray in public. May I ask another question? Why do we do that? So if I say to you, I'm going to have you open in prayer. What's your name? Mike. Mike. I'm going to have Mike stand up and open in prayer. Mike is going to do one or two things. Faint. <laughs> or he'll say, oh, boy, because I love the mic. That's, that's the two alternatives, right? And that's because we have this demented view about what, how we're supposed to pray out loud. But that's how our mind works. But watch this. Praying in tongues bypasses your brain, which is good for a lot of you. <laughs> if you think okay. Okay. So watch this. When you pray in tongues, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, further down, about 12, 13, 14. What happens is it is your spirit that prays. So what what I want you to notice, and you have this handout with you, is the direction of prayer comes from my spirit and up through my mouth. So if I'm going to say, Dear Jesus, bless, bless Pastor Chad, I'm going to start here and it's going to go through my mouth. But if I'm going to pray in the spirit for Pastor Chad, it's going to start in my spirit, which is down here. And in my brain, I'm thinking, Man, he's got no hair. <laughs> because my brain is not involved. It's my spirit that's praying. So if you are saved, where is the Holy Spirit living? He's living inside of you. He's not the holy smoke floating around. The Holy Spirit is a person who lives inside of you who's waiting for an expression to come through you. He's not up here waiting to go, kaboom! Right? Right? He's living inside of you waiting for an expression. I never knew that. I'm waiting for a... And so when I didn't get one, the evangelists would do it. You know, and they'd yank your arm sockets out and spit at you and say, and then you got Sister McGully cuddy going, hold on, hold on. The other one's going, let go, let go. You know, and everybody's screaming at you, and you're thinking, lay off, lay off. You're not going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You're about to smack somebody one. That's not the way the Holy Spirit moves. Now, we were a little thick-headed in the early days, and we did a lot of stuff like that. And the Lord was gracious, and maybe somebody got filled with the Holy Spirit because somebody was screaming at you and slapping you around, and that's okay. But not everybody wants to get slapped around, right? Some people just want to calm down and just allow the Holy Spirit to calm down. And move through us. The easiest people to get filled with the Holy Spirit is our kids. Why? Because they just think it's cool, you know. When you begin to make an enunciation the Spirit, you're going to enunciate a word you've never used before. Uh, Ruth and I have had the privilege of being on 13 mission trips. Um, We're going to Cuba this year, uh, hosting a pastor's conference in the Florida district. Probably about 100 pastors are going to be there. We've been to Cuba, I don't know, lost track, five times, four, four or five times. You'd think I'd get more Spanish than, uh, I can't even think of anything. Give me a Spanish word that I know. Dios de bandiga. That's God bless you. Um, au revoir. No, that's French. Um. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't work. My brain don't work. Languages, we've been, we've been to Russia, I don't know, three, four times, and I can say hello, but I forget what it is now. Because <laughs> my, brain, my brain is just, it doesn't work. But the problem is, when they make an enunciation, so my, my six-year-old granddaughter's in, in uh, French immersion, so she's trying to teach me how to say brown in French, and she's making this sound that's not normal. <laughs> and I'd say, and she goes, Papa, that's not right, it's brunner, I don't know how she's saying it, and I'm saying, that's not normal, that's not a sound, yes, and finally she gave up and walked away, because it sounds weird to me and I can't. I can't enunciate it. When you start to enunciate a tongue, it sounds funny because you've never said it before. So A, it sounds funny, and B, the devil hops on your shoulder and says, you're making that up. And I always tell people, you know why you're not making it up? You're not that good. <laughs> you just, you're not going to open up your mouth and make a funny sound just to be cooperative, like you're not that dumb. Not seriously, you're just not. So the devil's a liar. The devil doesn't want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. He doesn't, right? And so he's, he's going to do everything in his power to make you think, well, you're making that up. You're not that good. just ignore the devil and tell him to, you know, go to the Reformed church for the night or something. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is there some Reformed people here? I love the Reformed people. I think we should pray for some people now can, can the worship team come back please so friends let's lift our hands we want to receive the anointing that God has for us tonight Lord we're responding to this word we want the anointing of your Holy Spirit we want the anointing that you have for us <clears throat> we want the anointing that you have for us individually we want the anointing that you have for us corporately for Bethel in uh, Stratford to have the anointing that Bethel needs to do what God's calling Bethel to do yes we're here we open our hands to receive the anointing oh yes thank you Jesus hallelujah let's just receive that be uh, in a receptive mood or mode open your receptors Lord I receive I receive, I receive, O oh Lord, hallelujah. I receive. <coughs> I receive, O oh Lord, hallelujah. Oh Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yesterday, I built a sandbox for one of my grandkids. And I went to Home Depot. I bought Chad $120 worth of sand. I took it back to my Son's house, and my daughter and I, my daughter-in-law and I, we put it in the sand box. I think my problem was, Charlie, I built the sandbox too big. Just, and we ended up putting about three inches at the most in the sandbox. You know what I did? I ran out of time and steam. I went home. I transferred another $120 into my son's account just like that, to get more sand for my grandbaby. It's my granddaughter. And if that's not enough, I'll transfer another 100 bucks. It's my granddaughter. It's not my son. It's my grandbaby. <laughs> and if I feel that way about my grandbaby, how much more? Does your heavenly father feel about you and wants to give good gifts of the Holy Spirit to you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, how many with a show of your hand would say, well, tonight, man, well, let's do this first. How many got a fresh liberty in tongues tonight? Raise your hand. A fresh liberty. Like a good slew of people. How many people were not baptized in the Holy Spirit before tonight, but got a phrase, a word, or a full zing-zing language somewhere along the line? You raise your hands and wave at us. If you receive, yes, this girl over here, this lady. Bless God. Another gentleman back here. Hallelujah. This girl right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the beginning of more. More. If, if you and me If we're evil, we know how to give good gifts to our kids. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Praise God. Bless you, Pastor Chad. I'm done.
0: So, how many received some knowledge tonight at least? So, I encourage you that if you receive for the very first time, if you received something new, like a new language even, um, tonight on your way home, as you're laying in bed, as you're brushing your teeth, might be a little bit challenging. Um, but for some of you, it might help. Um, but begin to speak in tongues again. Don't wait till tomorrow. So if you received a little bit tonight, speak again tonight, just even as you're going to bed. Um, myself just felt like a fresh new language, and so I'm going to pray tonight and just pray in the language. And what it does is it expands your vocabulary. It expands what you're able to say. And, and I'll echo what Pastor Peter said of, of when you're hearing the little thoughts, the little words that you're like, I think it's just a noise, speak it out. Because I echo what he says is we're not smart enough to create our own language. And here's what you have to remember. If you remember the first time that you heard your daughter or your son, uh, the first time that Miles said, Papa, somebody might have thought he burped. (laughs) The first time that Miles called me Daddy, somebody might have just thought he sneezed. But I heard Daddy. So when you speak out in your heavenly language, you may yourself be like, oh, it sounds so silly. But your heavenly father goes, hey, hey, did you hear him call me daddy? And so speak it out. And as you begin to speak, just as when you were a child, as you began to speak, your vocabulary expanded. And it became clearer. And so if you're like, it just sounds like mumble jumble. That's okay. So did mine. And it will just, it will grow as you grow. And so tonight, don't wait. Please hear me. Don't wait till tomorrow. Again, tonight, begin just to speak in tongues and allow the Spirit to build you up inside. And so let's pray. Uh, Before we pray, sorry, Pastor Peter, thank you so much. Such a great word, such a, a powerful word. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your moving, for you speaking through people, for some of us the first time, some of us it's a new language, some of us it's just a new freedom. And Lord, I believe you even spoke into people's lives, Holy Spirit, you prodded people to speak, and so Father, I come against any fear of speaking. I come against any, um, just the the words of the enemy speaking in our minds. I break them off in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we lock into place what has happened tonight for those who have spoken for, uh, for the first time. Or freedom in the language, Father God. That, Lord, they will walk in that confidence knowing that Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, you spoke through them. And that, Lord, we will grow in this as we grow in our walk with you. And so, Father, I pray tonight as people leave here, the drive home, they're speaking in tongues. Tonight before, just as they're laying in bed, they're praying in tongues. They're speaking to you, Father, as they grow in this language. And tomorrow morning on the way to work, they begin just to speak in tongues again. Just to be able to walk in the confidence that, Holy Spirit, it is you. And you're filling us again and again. And so, Lord, give us a great night. Give us a a great ride home. Help us get home safely and give us an incredible week, Lord Jesus. And lead us. And well, Father, we just pray a blessing over Pastor Peter, Lord. And, and as he walks this through, as he walks in so many different avenues that you've opened doors for him. Lord, I pray that you continue to speak through him and give him wisdom and knowledge. And how to speak on just even the baptismal Holy Spirit. And empowering people to speak in their heavenly language. That, Lord, they will speak with you. And that Holy Spirit, you will speak utterance through them. When they don't know what to pray, you pray for them. And so, Lord, just continue to anoint him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.